0: Hi, this is Jose Figueroa with an Approved Workman, where we are rightly dividing the Word of Truth. Welcome to another week of Bible study. I am so glad that you're here as we open up God's Word one more time. Our current series is, Come, Lord Jesus, a study of the book of Revelation. If you're new to this Bible teaching ministry, here is how you can learn more about our work. First, go to our website, www.anapprovedworkman.org. That's enapprovedworkman.org. On the website, you can learn more about the purpose of this ministry, our approach to Bible study, and also review our statement of faith. You can also listen to previous episodes of the current series on Revelation or any episodes from any of the previous series we have done. On the website, you can also subscribe to the podcast, which is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and now also on Amazon Music, as well as other podcast directories. You can also connect with me on social media. I'm on Instagram at anapprovedworkman. On Pinterest, we have a page, pinterest.com slash anapprovedworkman. And you can also find our Facebook page on Facebook, facebook.com slash anapprovedworkman. Two one five. Finally, if you're watching the video version of this lesson, make sure you subscribe to our channels on YouTube and Rumble to ensure you will miss any upcoming episodes. Today, we're in lesson number 46 in the series, Come, Lord Jesus, from the book of Revelation. The lesson is titled, Come, Lord Jesus, Part 1. Our focus passage is Revelation 22, verses 1 through 9. So find your way in your Bible to that passage. In this chapter, the Apostle John sees the river and the tree of life, and here is the guarantee of the imminent return of Jesus Christ to reign forever and ever. Promises, promises, promises. Do you ever make promises? to others, to yourself? More importantly, if you make a promise, are you able to keep it? In other words, can your word be trusted? Let's take a look at three areas as an example. First, what employees are keeping their agreements with companies? In 2022, over four million Americans quit their jobs each month This was called the Great Resignation. You enter voluntarily into an agreement with a company to work for them, and then you did not honor that agreement when something else came along. What about when we borrow money? As of the third quarter of 2022, Americans owed around $210 billion in loans, and of those loans, about 4% or around $8.4 billion, were 60 or more days past the due date for the next payment. Again, no one forced you to borrow money. You made the decision to enter into an agreement with that lender and then you don't pay. And then let's talk about marriage. Weddings are still a big, big business in the United States. However we are not keeping our commitments to each other. In 2022, the divorce rate was expected to be at least 44.2%, almost 50%. Now, there are multiple reasons that could cause any individual to fail to keep their promises to an employer, to a lender, and to a marriage partner. I'm not trying to judge each situation today. But the issue is this. We humans cannot be counted to keep our promises. These are all examples of agreements, or, to use a biblical word, a covenant, if you will. We're not capable of doing that on a consistent basis of keeping our word and maintaining our side of an agreement, a partnership, a covenant. We cannot be counted to be 100% faithful to our promises. And you know what? We need something in our lives to be 100% certain. We need someone in our lives who can be counted on 100% of the time. Is there anyone like that? Is there someone who always keeps his word and honors his covenant? In our previous episode, we concluded our study of Revelation 21 the lesson title: All Things New. In Revelation 21, the Apostle John sees the new heaven and earth and the arrival of a new holy city, Jerusalem. Let's do a quick review of each of our two lessons in this chapter. First, we started looking at uh, Division 1, verses 1-8, through 8, a new heaven and a new earth. A key principle, God's people are destined to dwell with Him forever in the new heavens and earth. God's people are destined to dwell with him forever in the new heavens on earth. Our application was this, what are you looking forward to the most in the new heaven and the new earth? In this part one of our study of Revelation 21, we learned that when we speak of a new heaven and a new earth, what we have before us is not just a typical restoration project. It's not just refreshing or refurbishing something old. Old. No, this is a, a complete renewal, a total redo. All things are being made new according to the promises of God. In the new heaven and in the new earth, there will be no more source of chaos or evil. Evil has been stamped out for good by Yahweh. His victory is complete. Restoration of paradise is complete. And this is a new kingdom, God's kingdom an unshakable kingdom, as we read in Hebrews twelve twenty eight, And God's fully renewed kingdom needs a beautiful capital city. It's a place where heaven and earth will meet. That's the new Jerusalem, the heavenly Mount Zion, the mountain of God. And we, his people, we will be with him forever. He will be our God forever. He will live, he will dwell, he will tabernacle with us, Forever and ever. No interruptions, no breaks in fellowship. We will be His people forever. And nothing and no one can keep that from happening. Then, in part two of our teaching from Revelation 21, we started with the second division, a new holy city, verses 9 through 21. Our principle, God's people are destined to live in a holy place prepared by Him. God's people are destined to live in a holy place prepared by Him. Our application was this. How can you reflect the glory of God today, just like the new Jerusalem will reflect God's glory in eternity? In that second division, we get a description of the new holy city, Jerusalem. It is God's city. He built it. It makes me think that this is a place Jesus went to prepare for us, as he told us in John 14.3. And first of all, the city had the glory of God, the Shekinah in it. It's God's city. He made it so it reflects him. Also, there is no temple or sanctuary. And why don't we have a temple in the new heaven and the new earth? Because we're told that the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple the city also had a great and high wall and had 12 gates. At each gate there was an angel station. Each gate had written in, on it the name of one of the 12 tribes of Israel. The wall of the city also had 12 foundation stones, and on each stone was written one of the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. This took us to our third and final division, a new holy people verses 22 through 27 our principle only God's redeemed people will dwell with him in his holy city only God's redeemed people will dwell with him in his holy city our application was this what comfort did you receive knowing that you have been redeemed and that your destiny is to live in the new holy city and again when you think about the 12 gates with the names of the each of the 12 tribes of Israel engraved on the gates and then the 12 foundation stones with the names of the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ. All this means is that in eternity we will have two peoples of God, Israel and the church united as one people, one family of God. No division, no second class citizenship. Everyone that has been redeemed by God will come to the holy city of Zion, to the new Jerusalem. We should always remember that Almighty God will keep His promise to make all things new and to dwell with His people forever and ever. Recently I've been reminded of how this present age we live in is really not the place we want to be. This present earth is really not our home. In this present age we experience the ravages, the curse of sin. There is illness and death. There is sorrow and pain. There is aging and the diminishing of our mental and physical capabilities. We also experience pain and sorrow in our personal relationships. We experience the disappointment from those who we have trusted our entire lives. Why? Because sin is pervasive and it ruins everything. This past few weeks a month was a blunt reminder of why we need the sure hope of heaven. I believe that the trials and tribulations we experience on this earth are meant in part to make us put our focus on heaven, that is, the new heaven and the new earth. We need to remember that as believers in Christ, we are destined to be with God forever. We are headed to a place that's all new, all good and pure, and all permanent. There will be no decay. No defilement, no death, and no end to the eternal state. That's very good news. And that's the hope we need. And that's the hope we have in Christ, the hope of glory. Colossians one twenty-six and 27 say, That is the mystery which had been hidden from the past ages and generations, but now has been revealed to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what the wealth of, Of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles is the mystery that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He, Jesus Christ, is the sure living hope of heaven. First Peter 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable on the file and will not fade away reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Hope is a person. His name is Jesus Christ. Let's move on to the introduction to today's lesson. Here we begin to close out our Revelation study by focusing on Chapter 22. This is the last chapter in the New Testament and in the Bible. It also brings to a closure a journey we started together about two years ago. The first episode in this Revelation series was published on February 8, 2021. When I started, I had no idea how long it would take. I uh, certainly didn't know it was going to take me two years. But I knew that I wanted to take my time and go deep into the book of Revelation, and I wanted you to come on this journey with me. And here we are. This book, the book of Revelation, ends with two great promises to us, and because of that, we can continue waiting for the return of Christ with a sure hope. In his book, Escape the Coming Night, Dr. David Jeremiah provides us with a quick introduction as we dive into the final chapter of Revelation. Here's what he has to say. Quote, John has seen it all. He has recorded the final scenes of a new heaven and earth, and now he writes the epilogue to the book of Revelation. We're reminded again that what God starts, he finishes. There are no loose ends in his plans for the universe. God doesn't change his mind part way through a book, like some novelists do, and decide to end his story with a question mark. What he begins, he finishes." Here's our lesson outline and goal for our teaching from Revelation 22. First, Division 1 is verses 1 through 9, the promise of a new life. Then, the second and final division is the promise of a great return, verses 10-21. My goal for the teaching from Revelation 22 is this, to encourage believers to remember that Jesus Christ is coming soon, and with His return, the promise of eternal life in the presence of God will be fulfilled. Again, the goal for the lesson today is to encourage believers to remember that Jesus Christ is coming soon, and with His return, The promise of eternal life in the presence of God will be fulfilled. Today we will focus on part 1 and division 1 verses 1 through 9, the promise of a new life. Let's go then to our first division, the promise of a new life, Revelation 22, 1 through 9. And he showed me a river of the water of life Clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the middle of its street. On either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him. They will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads, and there will no longer be any night, and they will not have need of the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illuminate them, and they will reign forever and ever. Verse 6, And he said to me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his bondservants, the things which must soon take place. And behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And he said to me, Do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and of your brothers the prophets and of those who keep the words of this book, Worship God. Revelation 22, verses 1 through 9. In verse 1, the angel that was giving John the tour of the new holy city of Jerusalem showed him a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In Revelation 21, 6, we were told this pure, clean water of life is free to anyone without cost. All they have to do is come and drink of it. And everyone is given the choice to either accept or reject God's gracious offer of salvation. This shows that the only source of true life is God himself. We read that also in the Gospel of John in the opening verses, John chapter 1 verses 4 and 5. This river of life flows from His throne. And the Lamb, Jesus Christ, is on the throne with Him, with God. God reigns now and forever. Remember, as we have seen multiple times in the book of Revelation, Jesus Christ is God. He is the anointed King of the universe. Psalms 2, verses 6 and 7. In His book, Because the Time is near. Dr. John MacArthur comments on this imagery of the River of Life. He says, Like everything else in the New Jerusalem, the river was clear as crystal so it could reflect the glory of God. It cascaded down from the throne of God and of the Lamb in a dazzling, never ending stream. Its pure, unobstructed flow symbolizes the constant flow of everlasting life from God's throne. To God's people." Quote. This picture of a river of the water of life flowing out of God's throne, God's dwelling place is also found in the Old Testament. John continues with his many allusions to the Old Testament. So let's start at the beginning, shall we? Look at Genesis chapter 2 verse 10. Now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. And from there, it divided and became four rivers, Genesis to 10. There is Eden, that's a mountain of God, the holy place, where God was dwelling among his people after creation. And there is a river flowing out of Eden uh, to water the garden. Then, we also see this imagery in Ezekiel's vision of the end times temple. Remember, we had a discussion whether it's a physical temple or just a picture of the new heavens and the new earth. The point is, John is borrowing from Ezekiel. He's pointing us back to Ezekiel. So there is so much imagery in those last nine chapters of the book of Ezekiel that show up here in Revelation. Take a look at Ezekiel chapter 47, verses 1 and 2. Then he brought me back to the door of the house, and behold, water was flowing from under the threshold of the house toward the east, for the house faced east. And the water was flowing down from under, from the right side of the house, from south of the altar. And he brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate, by the way facing east. And behold, water was spurting out from the south side. Ezekiel 47 verses 1 and 2. Again, the temple, God's dwelling. Ezekiel was taken to a high mountain just like John was. And that's where God is. And you see this idea of this water of life this unending stream this unending river flowing out from God's holy mountain from his throne to water to bring life and we see it here we saw in Genesis 2 we see it in Ezekiel 47 as well then we also see it in the scroll of Zechariah when he speaks about that great day of the Lord look at Zechariah 14 verse 8 And on that day, living waters will flow out of Jerusalem, half of them toward the eastern sea and the other half toward the western sea. It will be in summer as well as in winter. Zechariah 14.8. There you see again, Jerusalem, the holy city, uh, the place uh, where the throne of God is, living waters flowing out. And then there is, is unending. It says, you know, it will be in summer as well as in winter. Look at also... I never noticed this before until i was studying for this lesson look at the beloved psalm 46 look at verse 4. there is a river whose streams make the city of god happy the holy dwelling places of the most high psalm 46 4. when you read that psalm and you think about that holy city of god the heavenly mount sion the new holy city of jerusalem Uh, The psalmist says, hey, there is a river, a river of life whose streams make the city of God happy. Again, it's life, it's unending, it's coming from God's throne. And that's what we see here at the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation chapter 22. In a recent episode of his Naked Bible podcast, Dr. Michael Heiser comments on this idea of the water of life and its ultimate source. He says, quote, In this instance, we need to think of it more abstractedly as the water that comes from where the source of life is. And the source of life is where God tabernacles, where he is, because he is the source of all life. And so, it goes back to Eden, gets brought into the new creation in Revelation 21 and 22. Again, they convey the same ideas. Everything has gone full circle back to Eden where there will be no more want and no more famine, no more drought, no more disease, no more fill in the blank. It's all going to be what Eden was meant to be, End quote. And again, that's Dr. Michael Heiser in his Naked Bible Podcast episode 397 on Revelation 21 and 22. As we continue in Revelation 22, in verse 2, we're told that God's throne is in the middle of the main street of the holy city. God rules, and his throne is at the center of the new heavens and the new earth. And on either side of the river, we see the tree of life, which bears 12 kinds of fruit, one for each month. Interestingly, it seems that even in eternity, we will have some way to account for time and the passing of months. Or... It could simply be that this is a way for God to convey this image of this tree of life that is there uh, for our benefit uh, in a way that we as time-constrained creatures can understand. The main point is this. The tree of life makes an appearance as we finally give back to Eden. Because remember, that's where these three first appeared, back in Eden. Look at Genesis 2 verse 9. Out of the ground, the Lord God caused every tree to grow that is pleasing to the side and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis 2.9. Again, this whole story since Genesis 3 has been about getting back to Eden, getting back to paradise, getting back to a place where we can dwell with God forever. And... This appearance of the tree of life here at the end of Revelation fulfills one of the many promises Jesus makes to his overcomers. If you recall, uh, Revelation 2 and 3, we did a kind of a mini series within the series of Revelation called Letters to Overcomers. And there are many promises to those who remain loyal to the Lamb, those who exhibit believing loyalty. This is one of them. Revelation 2 verse 7. The one who has an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who overcomes, I will grant to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Paradise of God, Eden, we're headed back to Eden. That's where the river of life flows from. That's where the tree of life is. Is life, 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 all coming from our great God. We're also told that the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. The word used here is the Greek word Therapeia, from which we derive our English word therapy. So then, this tree will provide healing, restoration, wholeness. It provides shalom and life, all provided by our great God and the Lamb. We also see this imagery in Ezekiel's vision of the temple. Look at Ezekiel 47, verse 12. And by the river on its bank, on one side and on the other, will grow all kinds of trees for food. Again, on either side of the river. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. Again, it's ongoing. There's unending provision. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Again, there is that river of life. And their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Ezekiel 47, 12. Now, will we need to eat? in heaven in the new earth well probably we won't need to but we'll get to do it for enjoyment but again it's a picture of abundance it's a picture of wholeness it's a picture of shalom it's a picture of everything good coming out of the throne of God for his people in verses 3 and 4 we're told that there will no longer be a curse in this place the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it in this new capital of the world hey, there is the idea again God is there the Lamb is there they're in control. They're ruling their throne. All good things are happening. There is no more cor- curse. The end of the curse from the fall, from Genesis 3.17, is finally here. Nothing unclean will enter our new home. This is a secure, a holy place for God's people. We see this image also in the book of Zachariah. Again, Zechariah in the Old Testament, apart perhaps from Isaiah, has the most messianic and end times imagery and messages of all the prophets. When we did our study of the minor prophets, we titled that that study Messiah is Coming because there is so much about the coming of Messiah, his first and his second coming, about the kingdom, about eternity. Uh, And the book of Zechariah is rich in that message. Look at Zechariah 14 verses 10 and 11. All the land will change into a plain from Giba to Rimon south of Jerusalem. But Jerusalem will rise and remain on its side from Benjamin's gate, as far as the place of the first gate to the corner gate, and from the tower of Hananel to the king's wine presses. Listen to verse 11 of Zechariah 14. People will live in it, and there will no longer be a curse, for Jerusalem will live in it. Zechariah 14, 10, and 11. So again, uh, restoration, the end of the curse, paradise, regain, healing, wholeness, shalom, all those things you can take off, all of that, this is a great promise of a new life as we look forward to that day. In his book, uh, The Unseen Realm, Dr. Michael Heiser comments on the end of the curse. Here's what he has to say. Quote, The effect is also described. No longer will there be anything accursed. The curses upon earth and humanity brought on by the fall are reversed. The other two or three of life references naturally link the eternal life of the believer to being present in Eden, the place where God, the source of all life, End quote. So again, that's Dr. Michael Heiser in his The Unseen Realm book. Again, look at that. God, the source of all life, dwells. We dwell with him. Uh, The tree of life, the river of the water of life, all these things are connected. And all these things are pointing us back to Eden. That's where we're headed, that full restoration of God's paradise. That's the promise of a new life. We're also told that God's bond servants will serve him and they will see his face at all times and his name will be on their foreheads just like his name was on the forehead of the turban of the high priest back in Exodus 28:36 through 38. This is a sign of us belonging to him forever and ever is another promise fulfilled to the overcomers. Look at Revelation 3:12. The one who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it any more. And I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and my new name. Revelation 3:12. Furthermore, their God will always be there with them, as we saw in Revelation 21 and 3, Uh, as we saw in our previous lesson. It's also the same message that we get at the end of the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel 48, verse 35. Listen to these words. The city shall be 18,000 cubits all around, and the name of the city from that day shall be, the Lord is there. Ezekiel 48, 35. Remember, this is what God wanted from the beginning, to be with his people. We spent a great deal of time in our previous lesson on Revelation twenty one about how God's desire is to dwell, to live, to tabernacle with his people. He wants to be with his human family. And as we close here in the book of Revelation, as Dr. Heiser likes to say, God gets his wife. We will be with Him forever. He will be our God forever. He will live, He will dwell with us forever and ever. There is no more interruption. No more breaks in fellowship because of our own sin. We will be his people forever. And the great thing about this promise of a new life is that nothing and no one can keep that from happening because God is the one who has guaranteed that this will happen. What else as we continue in Revelation 22 looking at verse 5? We're also told there will no longer be night and no longer a need for Lamps or the sun, the Lord God will illuminate them and they will reign with him forever and ever. We learn of this in our previous lesson of Revelation 21, if you recall Revelation 21, beginning in verse 23. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illuminated it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. In the daytime, for there will be no night there, its gates will never be closed. Revelation 21:23 to 25. The city does not need the light of the sun or the moon. Why? Remember, because the glory of God, the Shekinah, illuminates it. And because the Lamb himself, Jesus Christ, eats its lamp. We're back to the state of creation. Restoration is complete. And if you recall, and as we cover in detail in our previous lesson, Jesus said it multiple times that He is the light of the world. John chapter 8, verse 12. John chapter 9, verse 5. No more night. No more curse. No need to close the gates because there's nothing to threaten the city. There's nothing to threaten God's people. It's all safe. It's paradise regained. It's Eden. It's back to the beginning. This chapter of Revelation twenty two is just reinforcing the key messages from the entire book. The promise for God's people to reign with him is repeated again. Remember, God has a kingdom of priests, as we saw in Daniel seven eighteen and verse twenty seven, Romans five seventeen, second Timothy two twelve, Revelation twenty four. We're going to reign with him. God keeps his promises to his people. Look at Revelation 3, uh, verse 21. The one who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat with my father on his throne. Revelation 3, verse 21. Look at uh, Revelation 5, beginning in verse 9. Uh, probably my favorite passage in the whole book of Revelation. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to break its seals, for you were slaughtered, and you purchased people for God with your blood from every tribe, language, people, and nation. You have made them into a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Revelation 5, 9, and 10. The Lion of the tribe of Judah, the victorious Lamb of God, he is the one who did the work, who paid the penalty, who purchased for himself and for God, a holy new people, a redeemed people from every tribe, language, people, and nation. God and his kingdom, priests. In verse 6, the angel told John again that these words are faithful and true. It's almost like the angel does not want John to doubt for a second about what's coming. He told him the same thing in Revelation 21, verse 5. And it's added here that the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his bond servants the things which must take place soon. This is the same message we receive at the beginning of Revelation. It's in Revelation 1 verse 1. So we get it here at the end to affirm that same truth. This is happening. There is no question about it. And John could trust everything because God said it. He is faithful. He is the truth. He keeps his promises. Remember, we started this lesson thinking about, is there anyone who's worthy, anyone who keeps his word, anyone who keeps to the agreements, to the covenants, is there anyone who keeps his promises? Well, God does. In his commentary on the book of Revelation, Dr. Chuck Swindoll speaks on the implications of this declaration. Here's what he says, quote, First, we are to believe what is faithful and true. Because the book of Revelation, both its warnings and its promises, comes from God the Father through Christ by the power of the prophetic spirit, it could not be more reliable. This inspired source of truth can be trusted. End quote. You can take it to the bank. You can trust it because God said it is going to happen. It's guaranteed. In verse 7, Jesus then speaks declaring that, and behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. He affirms again that his return is imminent and sure. He is coming back. This is so important that Jesus repeats the same message two more times in this chapter. We're going to see it in verse 12 and in verse 20. So, this is a point of emphasis as we close this chapter. Is a repeat of another promise to the overcomers. Look at Revelation 3, verse 11. I am coming quickly, hold firmly to what you have, so that no one will take your crown. Revelation 3, verse 11. Again, keep believing, keep hoping, stay alert, stay at it, because I could come at any time. Jesus also repeats the blessing found at the beginning of this book for those who keep, who heed the words of the prophecy. These words, when you look at this, they provide bookends of blessing and warning. Time is running out, and there are only two options. heed the words and be blessed, or reject them and be cursed. Look at Revelation 1 verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and keep the things which are written, for the time is near. Revelation 1 verse 3. The time is coming. He is coming. It's coming quickly. It could happen at any time. Be alert. Stay at it. Don't neglect it. Don't disregard it. Don't get distracted. As we close this first section of Revelation 22, in verses 8 and 9, John is overwhelmed again at everything he saw and heard. And I don't think you can blame him, for everything is so magnificent, so beyond comprehension, so glorious that for a second time he fell down to worship at the feet of an angel this happened previously after john witnessed the marriage supper of the lamb in revelation nineteen nine and 10. and for a second time the angel has to remind him not to worship him the angel is just a fellow servant with john and with the other prophets and those who are loyal to god those are the ones who follow and obey him the ones who exhibit believing loyalty john and all of us in that camp should worship only God. Remember? That's the first of the Ten Commandments. No other gods before me. I'm Yahweh. I'm the only one. And so, But the promise of this new life is so great that I can understand John being completely overwhelmed. We cannot fully comprehend what God has in store for his people. It's so glorious. It's a glorious future. And we just get a glimpse of it. We have been talking about it for the last... 40 minutes or so, and we are just scratching the surface. Me, personally, I cannot wait. Can you? Well, that is the end of this first division, the promise of a new life. What's the principle? God's people possess the living hope of a glorious new and eternal life. God's people possess the living hope of a glorious new and eternal life. Therefore, we do not lose heart. But our outer person is decaying, yet our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. How certain are you that you will partake from the river and the tree of life? How certain are you that you will be able to enter the holy city? This concludes part one of our teaching from Revelation 22. Thank you for being here today. Next time, we will conclude our study of Revelation 22 By focusing on verses 10 through 21, the promise of a great return. Until then, this is Jose Figueroa for an approved workman where we are rightly dividing the word of truth. May God richly bless you.